FMX Network production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Welcome to the Leanne Re-Raceables on PulpMX.com. Mathis and Weege revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Lee at Re-Raceables. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend, subscribe, and all of that. Thanks to the folks at Lee at for making this thing happen, as well as Maxis, Decal Works, Scott Goggles, and Guts Racing, all on board with us. Really appreciate you guys listening. We have a great show. Of course, Weege is going to join me, but also the dean of motocross journalism, Kit Palmer. You've heard his name a bunch on this show. He used to, uh, still works for Cycling News, and he used to file all the reports from the races back in the day. Well, we have chosen 1984 Hangtown. Well, Kit chose it, actually. He'll tell you why. But, yeah, looking forward to talking to Kit and more. Looking forward to you guys uh, emailing us using the contact form on pulpamex.com to uh, get a code to save at liat.com. Different people ride for different reasons, yet there's a common denominator to the binds everyone who puts their body in the line for the sheer enjoyment of it all. This is what Liat offers as a brand. They make protective wear, helmets, goggles, riding gear, knee braces, boots, neck braces, and more. They cover riders from head to toe. And what Liat really stands for is the promise of things to come. Mountain bike products are fantastic. Motocross products, of course. Liat.com, you can see them out there in the Bullfrog Spas Honda team wearing the gear, uh, as well as the Solitaire guys. So they're involved in the sport on many levels. Thanks to the folks at Liat. Thank you to for- folks at Scott Sports as well. They've been providing the best goggle out there. In all motorsport disciplines for over 50 years, Scott is a global leader in innovation, technology, and design. Scott has always been proud to support racing. From grassroots uh, help all the way to the top with guys like Monster Energy Pro Circuit, Jason Anderson, Caleb Russell, and more. Uh, they all choose a quality product and support from Scott. Scott is excited to, le- re- excited to relive iconic moments in the sport with the Re-Raceables podcast, many of which have included Scott Goggles. Scott, the only goggle made in the USA. Thank you to Scott. And again, most of the racers in these Re-Raceables podcasts are running Scott, right? And so thanks to those guys. We'll tell you more about Maxis and uh, Decal Works and Guts Racing later on in the show. But for now, let's get Weege on the phone. Let's get Kit Palmer on the phone. Let's get busy talking old school racing and old school moto media reporting, shall we? Hey, Weege, uh, thanks for joining the show. Appreciate it. Yeah. So I already did, I already did the whole intro, so don't worry about it. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. 84, Hangtown, Re-Raceables, Kit Palmer, Fantastic. We, we, I mean, Kid has been our guy on this show, and I'm really stoked to have him on. Yeah, this is funny. We, we have our New Year's resolutions. We have to get Guy Cooper and Kit Palmer on here because they're mentioned the most. And this is really going to be more about what the sport was like. Kit's still reporting at the races now. Like, literally, we saw him. I saw him in Anaheim 1. Did we see him in San Diego? I'm sure he was there. Um, he's still reporting for Cycle News at the races to this day. But we wanted to go into these early days before we were reporters, before a lot of people listening you know, we didn't have podcasts and all these things. So what was it like then? So he actually picked uh, two nationals in a row, which was Saddleback and Hangtown 84. Kind of a different era for the sport, right? Because we had three classes in one day, 125, 250, 500, still works bikes. And it's kind of cool for you and I, right? Because of our age, you 
there's so many races from back then. You always wanted to know more about it. So anytime we can get behind the scenes of the eighties, that's the races we were not going to. So yeah. this is our chance. And they're not on video. Yep. And, and we, no. we just, I mean, you and I have talked to so many people involved in these races that we just have their recollection of it. Right. And, and, and of course the cycle news archives, uh, and that's what we got to go on. The 84 season was, was, uh, Pretty unique. We talked to JoJo about the 85 last year of the three classes, 84, obviously the second last year of the three classes. Factory rides are scarce, so there is only like, yeah, the 250, the 250 class is stacked with four, with uh, factory guys, and that means that there's basically like five factory guys, and, and there's two in the 125s, and there's three in the 500s, and that's it. And we saw some runaways, but we saw some great battles also, and... I think I think the story of the '84 Hangtown to me is Alan King, who I used to like because I rode a Suzuki as a kid, and Alan was a factory Suzuki rider, so I kind of liked Barnett a lot and Rollerball a lot, and then King was in that next tier, and he won Hangtown. He didn't win a moto; he went three two or two three for the overall, and he's the points leader, and he's Team Tam, full privateer against Works Bikes. I always felt like Alan King didn't get enough credit. Well, he definitely didn't. Uh, they always say history is written by the winners, right? And I feel like when you hear about the 84 Nationals, it was Lachine and Johnson in a battle. Uh, Johnson ended up winning the title. Johnson won the title, I believe, right? Yep. And it was, yep. you know, production Yamaha against um, uh, the, the super trick works Honda that Lachine was on. Um, but it was news to me. I knew King won a race, but I did not know that the, by the third race of the season, he was the points leader as a privateer. And Team Tam is kind of the first ever of the satellite teams that now are just commonplace in the sport. I don't know why that wasn't a bigger deal. Like, why is – do you know that, that that Team Tam led the points after three races? Not one, not, hey, the opener was muddy and he lucked out. Like, three races, six motos, he's a points leader. That's – I had no idea. That, to me, seems massive. And I can't understand why in the vault, Hangtown is listed as the third race of the year, which I believe it was. And then on Cycling News, it says round five. I just don't know. I, I don't understand that. I mean, oh, what? Yeah. Second yeah. says round five. Yeah, it was Gatorback, Saddleback, and Hang this. Down. Right? Yeah, well, Hang down. yeah. Cycle News says round five, but I'm pretty sure it was three. I'm not questioning Cycle News ever. I'm not questioning it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Yeah. But yeah, Alan, Alan King uh, won the overall, and this would turn into a knockdown dragout battle, like you said, between Lachine and Johnson. Really good. Uh, and Wardy and O'Mara were going at 125s. And then this is Bailey moved up to 500s. And this race sounded super close and super tight. But as the laps, as the races went on, Bailey just started working Brock. I think he won 20 or 24 motos or something. Uh, and Glover was just a distant second. But it, And they had two number ones because Bailey had won the overall in 83. Uh, combined points overall in 83. And, uh, and, and Glover won the 500s the year before. And, I, and as far as fast forwarding to 2023... We're going to have an SMX champion and then a different number ones. I, are we crossing that bridge when we, we come to it? I don't know. Yeah, I've not heard. Okay. You asked uh, the day that was announced. You asked Dave Prater from uh, Phil Motorsports on your podcast. Will there be two number ones? Yeah. It's yet to be determined. Yeah. Still I haven't heard yet. I think we haven't yeah. heard anything about that. So, um, yeah. yeah, we'll <clears throat> we'll see. But, um, uh, yeah, so this gives us the two number ones on 500s running around together, which I always just, as a kid, thought was hilarious. Yeah, and uh, Kit later points out to us, you know, they were two different colors. However, if you look at Cycle News, it's black and white, so they're not. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. right? No. Um, 
for sure. It's just, and uh, also what it makes this cool for me too is uh, not only is this a time where I'm certainly not behind the scenes. I'm like five, six years old when these races are going on, but so much more to me at least. Tell me if you agree. The sport is even more California based at this time than it is now. It's California or bust. Um, the entire sport. So you know, Saddleback is legendary. I've never seen it. I've never got to go. I think it's still there to a degree, right? Like yeah, the woods. yeah. You can still see yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's long gone. Carlsbad, long gone. Uh, Hangtown obviously is still around. Uh, you go through the re- <laughs> the regional events. Sorry, the local races in the back. You know, and those local races in Southern California and those tracks were legendary. And those local races were a huge, huge deal. It was so. Basically, everything happened in California and nothing else mattered. I at least felt in the 80s. And you get that feeling when you go through these old cycle news back then. Were you, who were you cheering for as a kid? Like, I was eight or nine in this race, and I was just a Barnett guy. I love Barnett. Uh, Rollerball, too, because he was the local guy. By the way, shout out. Rollerball gets fifth in the first moto. What a, nice. What a legend. Okay. But um, okay. I was a Barnett kid that, when I was very little. Yeah, I didn't have it. I did not have – I wasn't like that. I just never have been – I never picked favorites. Like I remember watching when it was just Johnson and Ward for two or three years and just thinking they were like both awesome. And I, I never rooted for one over the other. I don't know. I've never been like that with this sport where I was like – I liked one guy more than the other. The only time it ever happened was uh, when Stanton, JMB, and Bradshaw were the top guys, and it changed so ridiculously quickly. Like they went from the top guys to – basically out of the sport in like 18 months. Uh-huh. And then McGrath, who was 18 months earlier, not even really that known, was now the dominant guy. That was the only time I was like, hey, wait, whoa, 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 hold on. And then I really started pining for, you know, don't know what you got till it's gone. I'm like, I wish JMB was still here. I wish Bradshaw was still here. I wish Stanton was still here. That's the only time I remember mm. truly rooting for guys when they were gone is the is the problem. They weren't even racing. <laughs> I, I, um, was, I was like, yeah. Barnett's my guy. Barely yep. lost a Supercross title in '82, should yep. barely lost it in '83. Had a had a chain fall off or something uh, um, in '83 and '83 uh, 125s again. He had mechanical problems. Johnny O got it, and I as a kid, I'm like, he he's got a piece of crap bike, but he's the man. He's the man. He's the man. And then in '84, he moves up to 250s, and I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah it's coming now. And dude, he kind of gets smoked. Like he gets fourths and fifths. And I want to ask you about that. Um, uh, Suzuki, as you may have noticed, they have an up and down history in the sport. Very ah, roller just coaster a, just ride. Just a tad, yeah. Just a tad. Very high highs, very low lows. In like 81, 82, 83, full floater and all that, and Howerton and Barnett together, Suzuki is arguably like the best in the game, right? Um, not to mention before that with the Costa and the GPs. What did Suzuki do? They won like the first eight 125 world motocross titles there were, something like that. Mm-hmm. Insane. What the hell happened? Between 1983, when Suzuki is at the top of their game, and by 84, 85, they are complete garbage. Yeah. What happened? Uh, yeah, no, exactly. I don't know, but this Barnett, yeah. so good year in 83, like second in points, 125, second in Supercross. Yeah. You know, arguably could be two time champ- two two championships if the bike doesn't break. 84, he's like fourth or fifth outdoors and like fourth or fifth in um, – uh, Supercross uh, switches to Cowie in '85 and done retires. Like just, yeah. I'm just, yeah. Uh, I um, just hurt, crushed. So yeah, yeah. I know that I, you you told me that one before. It's just crazy how Suzuki went from because by the time I was really following it, 
I'd say about like 86, 87. I'm yeah. a little bit younger than you. It was just like a joke to even think that Suzuki would be competitive ever, ever. Yeah. They were terrible. Yeah. And then I'm like, later on, I hear like just three years ago, they were probably like the best bike and the most successful. And I'm like, how could that what three years ago? That's impossible. They they're garbage now by 87, you know, compared to Honda. But uh, I don't know what. Actually, didn't you do a story recently on Suzuki where they were building a new factory like in Japan and yeah, literally yeah. had to take money out of all the – they had to save their pennies? Yeah, I talked to somebody yeah. that would know and he, wouldn't, he yeah. wouldn't speak on the record. But, yeah, he's like they're building a new factory. There's no money for racing. And I'm like, so hey. they went from yeah. full floater dominance, 82, 83, to garbage by 84, 85. Yeah. Amazing. I, I know, right? It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, Glover and Bailey are going at it. For, uh, we said Bailey was much better than Glover this year, a much better bike as well. And they seem to keep it pretty civil. But I remember 84, O'Mara and Ward. I mean, MXA was like basically hype. I mean, that's all we got back then, especially in Canada. And I remember MXA just building out the war. At high point, they got together uh, and crashed. And somewhere else, they got together and crashed, Wardy and O'Mara. And they're, as we said, they're still gnarly today, still uh, doing mountain bike rides today. They've both been on this podcast. But in 84, I don't think there was much love lost between these two guys. No, um, and that's always the thing about these cycle news stories. The quotes are just so unfiltered, and we'll talk to Kit Palmer about that. But, I mean, Wardy is making no bones about it. He's ramming people. Um, he does an interview, actually, a couple issues from now where he says, no more Mr. Nice Guy. Nobody can beat me. I don't see anyone coming up that's going to beat me. Uh, I'm tired of being second. I'm going to be aggressive. O'Mara's quote is, that I, I would have never done that move to him the way he rammed into me. Uh, <laughs> and you just read these things, and we always laugh. It's just so matter of fact. It's like now it would have been we need 30 different reaction pieces and videos and social media and people going nuts. And that's all you got in 1984. There was Cycle News, a quote, and moving on to the next race. And then in 500, first moto, 84, Hangtown, within sight of the checkers, Glover and Bailey come together and crash together. And Bailey gets up, his bike keeps running, and he gets the win. And and in the in the interview that Kit did, of course, our guy Kit, Glover's like, we, 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 there was no hard feelings. We were actually joking about it between motos. That's racing. So they're like, ah, and then Glover, yeah, Glover and then Wardy and O'Mara want to kill each other. So, Yeah, I'm looking at the photos and reading about the collision in the last turn, and I'm just like, I can't get to the quotes fast enough to hear Glover losing his mind, pissed that he got taken out, but he did not. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was quite a quite a season, this one, and uh, went all the way to, down to the end. Wardy got 125 title. Bailey got the 500s, and... Johnson beats Lachine on a factory bike. And again, Yamaha had decided to run production bikes this year. 83 was the last year of works bikes for them. 84, they go production-based, and everyone kind of writes them off. Lachine jumps ship because of it, and Johnson beats them. So, uh, yeah, RJ's legend kind of starts around this year because 82 or 83 for Johnson was a terrible year. So, um, yeah, good times. Yeah, he's having some bike problems, though. Um, he appeared to be the fastest guy in these first couple rounds, but was kept having mechanicals, um, similar to 82 when he broke his wheel when he should have won that title. And, and yep. Leach, Clint Hardick, stole a whole shot in moto, in the first moto and led for three laps in 250s and just got the Legend and Heroes Award in San Diego, and we were discussing Clint Hardick. Yes, we were talking about him, and now we know his legacy was leading motos. It said seven guys led well, one of the motos. I think that was at Hangtown, right? Yeah. You had Bowen in there, uh, Barnett, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all it's, right, should we, yep. uh, should we talk to Kit? 
Yeah. Well, you know, before that, let's talk about Maxxis. Maxxis tires, uh, MXSTs developed by McGrath. Uh, great mountain bike tires, light truck tires. And uh, you got Maxxis yet on your Intense? Are we working on that, or what are we doing? Are we? Yeah, it's not really mountain bike season here. It rains three or four days a week. Okay. So uh, it doesn't really matter what tires I have yet because you're not allowed to. Do you even know that? Do you even know that that's a rule living in uh, Nevada? No. What, what's the rule? The, the trail's closed. Like, you can't. It's not like a dirt bike where you can just choose to ride in the mud. Like, what? It has to not rain for 24 hours before they even consider opening a trail after rain. Really? Yeah. They just won't. Yeah. So this time of year, you very rarely go 48 hours without rain. So you're just screwed. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know what that's yeah. like. I just mountain bike every day I want. Yeah. Yep. Even when it's snow or raining, I just go out. It doesn't matter. Yeah. No, please keep our trails. And and unfortunately, the, you can tell which trails people cheat on more. Mm. Um, they're in much worse condition. So as much as I want to argue it, it works. Well, if you had Max's tires, you could get mm-hmm. through it, no problem. Uh, thank you. Oh, for, okay. Thank you to the folks at Maxis for coming on board. And, uh, again, check them out for everything you need for uh, tires across the board for a lot of vehicles. Thank you to the folks at Liat, of course. Uh, com, great protection gear, make protection equipment and gear as well. Um, so email us using the contact form on pulpamex.com if you want to save with the folks at uh, Liat. All right, let's uh, let's get Kit on the line, shall we? Yeah, by the way, the reason we did this, like I said, we talk about Kit Palmer on every episode of the show, along with Guy Cooper, who is in these races. Of course he is. Yes. Cooper's in there. Yep. Uh, so we just felt if we're going to talk about this guy on every episode, let's actually have him on one. So. Kid's still at the races now. Great guy. You and I both worked for him at Cycle News, so awesome to finally do this. All right. Looking forward to it. And now, like we talked about on the Lee at Re-Raceables, we are bringing in the dean of motocross, heck, motorcycle reporting, uh, a longtime uh, guy at Cycle News. And if you've heard us talk about it, this show, talk about him on this show, then you know what we're talking about. It's Kit Palmer. What's up, Kit? How are you, man? Hey, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing just fine. Just getting uh, working on another issue. We, I don't, we, I don't even know where to start with Kit. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. It's just a hilarious thing where we we recently did one on. Uh, let's take an example: 1985, uh, Los Angeles, and our only information. Very few of these races are even on TV. That one was, but most of the time, we only have the cycle news story. We see your name, and we also know that a few days ago we just saw you in the press box in Anaheim. So, like, <laughs> you're, like, timeless, whether it's a race from 40 years ago. And, by the way, we'll see Kit at the race this weekend also. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's it's, uh, it's gone by pretty fast, too. Uh, I wish my um, – there's been so many races, you know, during that time. I mean, there's just all year long just so many races and so many motos and heat races and stuff like that that – I kind of remember races, but sometimes I just don't remember exactly when they were, or which race, or where it was. But uh, some, but some races do kind of stick out that I remember. Yeah, and you picked this one, Hangtown '84. It's memorable for a lot of reasons. Three classes on one day, of course. A privateer wins the 250 class. Uh, some great battles in 125, 500s. I guess let's start with this kit. Like nothing to me is more like says. AMA and DGAF than two guys running a number one plate in the same class, which is what we had in 84, Bailey and Glover. Right. Yeah, at least they were a different color, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. But it looks like uh, they got together. First, this is the round uh, three, I believe, of the se- uh, round five, sorry, of the season. And they crashed within 100 feet of the checkers together in one moto, in the first moto? Yeah, I, I remember those guys, you know, at that time I was um, – uh, I was always intrigued by uh, 
David and Brock because obviously they were like the top guys in the 500 class and there was Goat Brecker who was always right there too. But um, those, Bailey and Glover were just, they were just battling all the time at every race. You know, they had battled, I think the week before in Saddleback and I was at that one too. And uh, so there was a little bit of rivalry going on there and David was on the works Honda and uh that was water cooled and like just the ultimate trick motorcycle of all time back then and then brock was riding an outdated water cooled or excuse me air cooled yamaha yz 490 and it was pretty close to stock i mean they did a lot of work to it but it was i always felt kind of bad for brock you know so i was always kind of like cheering for him come on and uh so i remember that race a little bit because of that um and uh, I can't, I think it was the first moto, maybe. I think that was the first moto. And I just remember that they were just battling super, super close. And it was like the last lap. And um, I remember taking photos of it. And when those guys came together in that turn and they both went down, I remember just, I don't even think my camera had a motor drive back then. I think you had to like snap, snap, <laughs> snap, snap. And I think I did a kind of a, a, you know, finger drive instead of a motor drive on that. And uh, I, I completely remember that, and I just felt like um, that was that was just something that stood out, and I, I remember that race pretty well. Yeah, the, the photos are in the Second Lose article, so you can see them there. And Glover's on the inside, and looks like he drifts down into Bailey. And yeah, Bailey said in the, in the article, told you that his bike was running. That was why he got you know he was able to get going and win the moto. His, his bike stayed running, but um, yeah. And I also feel, you know I, I sorry yeah. I, I was reading you know, a little bit of that kind of reminder. And then it was just what kind of struck me kind of, kind of cool about it all was, you know, there didn't, I'm sure there were hard feelings, but they didn't come out. I mean, even Brock said, Oh yeah, I was racing and stuff like that. And, and they were, they were just racing really hard and their lines came together there. And, uh, I just kind of liked how they both handled it. So on these nationals that had three classes, was it just like moto, moto, moto intermission, moto, moto, moto did, 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 did you get, were you just out in the middle of sun all day, Kit? Like, you didn't, yeah. what, what'd you do? <laughs> yeah, you pretty much were out there all day. They were long days. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you had six yeah. motos, and I, I don't remember exactly the length of the motors. I think they were 30 minutes. Yeah. Plus. It might even have been more. Um, so they were, it was kind of a long day. But um, uh, I just remembered, like, that was my first full season or my first full year as, as a, uh, uh, staff member at cycle news and i just felt like that was quite a crazy time because that because motocross was just just really exciting back then with you know the omeras and the wars and the machine was coming up and the rick johnson and the bailing i mean it was just a really cool time it was kind of intimidating for me too because uh, i was just getting into it um but yeah they were long days and the motos just they just kind of went one after another and you know i was just handwriting all my notes on paper and and all my quotes were on paper. I didn't. I think I used a tape recorder, but I usually did them by uh, not real shorthand, but just yeah. just writing them out. Um, did, were these forty-five minute motos? Also, I think they were thirty. I, please don't say we had six forty-five minute motos. I don't even know how you could. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember the exact <laughs> how length were, but I, I'm sure they were over thirty, and uh, they might have been about you know once <clears throat> they were from the green flag checker flag it was probably about 40 minutes <laughs> and six yeah. of them gosh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, good and the racing was just so good because you had like really couple you know my handful of really good guys in every class maybe the 500 
you know, really basically had th the three guys, um, you know, Glover, Bailey, and, and uh, Brecker. Uh, and uh, I guess the 125 turned out to be mostly Ward and O'Mara that year, too. But Yeah, was, I was going to ask, they, uh, that seemed a little heated. You know, we, we talk a lot. We've talked to both of them, and they're even still good friends to this day, Ward and O'Mara. Uh, but uh, it seemed like it was even getting a little tense with them, maybe just because they're the only two they were going to win. But there were some moments. I think that Saddleback one is kind of legendary where they go into the back and then only Ward emerges. I remember reading about that. Yeah, I vaguely kind of remember that, too. Um, I just don't remember the, the details of that. I just remember, uh, I don't know, it was, I just remember they were going back and forth. Mm -hmm. they, they did it in Hangtown as well the week after that. And I think at Saddleback, there was a pretty good race between Lachine and Johnson. And uh, that's what I mean. That's why a lot of, for me, a lot of this is hard to remember exactly, you know, what race and, and what happened because it just seems like so much did happen. It, yeah. It, it did seem like Wardy, Wardy won the title in 84. O'Mara got it in 83. And it seemed like in 84, Wardy won every second moto. Like the overalls, he would just get Johnny a lot in the second motos. And uh, I'm sure that added to O'Mara's to misery. Yeah, exactly. No, Ward was uh, pretty smart. He knew uh, he knew when to win at the right time. I want to ask you about Saddleback itself, actually. Uh, that's before my time, but the place is pretty legendary. Um, obviously, it had a national there. That's what we're talking about here. But the whole place was like a motorcycle industry. Like, this is what we're doing for the sport, right? It's like a playground is the way I've heard of it. And, and in a key area being in Orange County, which seems insane to have a motocross track there now. No, you're exactly right. That's exactly what it was. I mean, um, I, that's kind of where I, I, my very first time I raced a motorcycle was, was Saddleback. Wow. And uh, it, it was, I wasn't even planning on racing that day. It was just kind of like, you know, my brother would be racing and some of our friends and I would bring my motorcycle and I would go out and ride in the back, you know, where all the fun riding was. And they had a little flat track course back there. I'd spend a lot of time on that, having fun. And other guys would come on and you're just racing guys. Uh, they had a big hill climb back there. Um, they had some decent trails just for riding around. So, like, yeah, playground is the exact term to describe <laughs> it. And I remember when I went, I was just going to go riding. But then as we were driving there, I think it was one of my brother's friends was saying, well, you ought to go and race. And I'm like, oh, no, I can't race. No, I can't race. And then sure enough, I got there. I signed up and I raced. And that was my first time. So, and that was... I don't know, I was in the 70s sometime. When, wow. did, when did you make the realization like Weege and I did? Well, Weege, not so much, but uh, I, I made the realization like I'm not fast enough. And <laughs> now I need, I, I went into the mechanic end of things. But when did you be like, okay, I'm not going to be, you know, Mark Barnett here. So now I'm going to cover motorcycle racing because it's the next best thing. <laughs> that is funny because that is that is exactly what kind of went through my head at one point, you know, when you're getting a little bit better, a little bit faster, a little bit faster, you're like, Oh yeah, you know, I can do this. Yeah. And then I was getting pretty good. And then I got, then I got, uh, my job at cycle news. I started working with cycle news and that's when I started getting slower and slower and slower <laughs> <laughs> because I, I couldn't race on the weekends anymore because I was hopping on planes, flying and watching people race. And, um, so when I had a weekend off, you know, maybe I was before then I was getting maybe second or, or maybe even kind of fighting for a win or something. But then I would go cover these races and then a couple of weeks would go by. Then I'd get out on the track. Now I'm fighting for third and then a couple more races I have to cover. And now I'm fighting for fifth and it got to be like kind of no fun anymore. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And so I, you just go, yeah, there's no way. So then I just like completely focused on, you know, that new road, I guess. And so and just uh, I became... 
I, I watch people race instead of doing it myself. <laughs> and, you know, I've never had any problem with that either. How do you, I mean, Cycle News is the thing uh, back then, no doubt. <laughs> there's MXA and stuff, but there's just so much less media. I mean, there isn't even TV or anything like that. So right. how do you get on with what is the place to be? Oh, you mean from back in the day and all that? Yeah, how do you get on with yeah. Cycle News? I mean, that is the number one spot. Yeah, it was, um, it w I don't know, I guess a little bit at the time, you know, you don't really kind of realize that, but then <laughs> you, you kind of begin to, you know, you kind of, well, yeah, I guess we are it. And it, we really were, and because uh, there wasn't a whole lot of avenues and uh, different outlets, I guess, back then. And we went to all the races. It wasn't like we just went to the local races that were in our backyards. I mean, we went to all the races. And for a long time, they were all staff members. And when we had the East office, you know, we had East guys covering the East side and then the West guys covering the West races and stuff. And then we eventually combined, which is not long after I had been there. And so now all of a sudden I was going to East races as well. So I did a lot, a lot of traveling back then. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's changed quite a bit. And, you know, you were talking about getting the quotes and stuff from, from those races and, you know, that was, I, that was the first thing I was taught basically was not to come back from a race without quotes. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I mean, I had to, there was no way I'm there. I was never going to leave a race without talking to the winners or, or something, or even if it was like the top guy that maybe got 10th. And uh, I just didn't ignore him. No, I got to find out why the top guy got 10th and stuff. So I had to go in there and get interviews. And we were kind of, since Cycle News was kind of the only one, it was kind of, it wasn't too bad because the riders didn't have like, you know, 20 or 50 media guys coming up separately. And you know what I mean? Like, you know, 50 different media guys coming up to them. At that time, it was just one or two. So it was pretty easy to walk around after the race and, and talk to everybody and get quotes and and they were pretty uh, pretty open about what they said, too. Oh, it's shocking. It's shocking when we read through. That's one of the funny things. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is, if it's the era or there wasn't social media, so they didn't get blowback. But we say that on this show every week, Kit. They say crazy, unfiltered stuff. Did it ever, as far as you know, did it ever, like, hey, you shouldn't have wrote that? Or would they get mad at you? Or did you hear a guy react to what another guy no. said before? No, honestly, I never really thought about that, but I don't remember anybody getting, you know, in my face the following week about something I wrote. If, if there was, it was minor. It was just kind of a joke type of a thing, but mm -hmm. uh, I don't really recall. And I remember writing some stuff. And I'm like, hmm, this will be interesting if the other guy reads about it, you know, <laughs> yeah. and stuff. So, but I don't remember that ever being a big issue for us. I mean, I mean, my point was, I felt like if, I quoted what they said and that's what they said, then they can't get mad at me. I mean, yeah. if, if you twist it around or something and you don't, it, and, and maybe you write in something that they didn't say, then yeah, you're going to, they're, they're going to, they're going to question you and corner you on that. But if you made it exactly what they said, you didn't change around. Hey, they can say all they want, but you're like, you, I was there. You saw me writing it all down. <laughs> so, did we, did, Steve, didn't you have a like machine called good with a joke or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. The road deal cup. <laughs> Right up is just like <laughs> horrific quotes from everybody about yeah Goodwin being a joke and and then Goodwin off uh, Kehoe was like Goodwin offered me money to to start in the front row I mean just all these things that you know would have started a, an avalanche today uh, it's just and also don't forget so looking at this eighty four year you got Bailey and Glover and they kept it pretty civil like you said Kit 
uh, O'Mara and and Ward not so much. They definitely did did not like each other this particular year. But then also, Kit, 84 is the year that Bob Hanna makes an obituary notice or a funeral notice for Keith Bowen and, hand, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and hands it out in the pits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do, you, do you remember that? Yeah, I, I kind of vaguely remember that, but I do remember that they had it heated. They were not friends. <laughs> no, and, yeah. it, and in this race, Bowen takes Hanna to the fence, I guess, and cleans him out. You right. know? Yeah, so... Again, like you, and then you have to go and track these guys down. And Bowen says, "Hey, I'm here to race, just like Bob." And Hannah, Hannah just says, "I got a bad start and rode like a jerk." Yeah, you know, was about all Hannah had to say. Um, so he was, he was always great for quotes. Uh, did you, <laughs> but, but like, can you imagine like Barsha making an obituary notice for somebody, bringing it to to Houston oh, yeah. this weekend? It'd be just fantastic. So well, it was it was fun interviewing those guys back then because. You know, I, I might be interviewing, you know, Jeff Ward, and Johnny O'Mara's way down there. He's not right next to him, sitting next to him yep. you know, at, at a conference. So he say whatever he wants. And uh, and then you go over and talk to, to Ward or to O'Mara or something like that. And sometimes you can go, hey, this hey, he, this is what he said about you. What do you think? <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> that might get him going. But yeah, um, but they, they were fine, and they, they, they kind of didn't really hold back. So there's definitely some times where you don't have quotes from the winners or even a podium guy or whatever, and I'm yeah. guessing they just left, right? I mean, that's just – you weren't able to catch them. Yeah, usually that's yep. the case yep. because, you know, I always try to do at least the top three in every race, and um, if you didn't get them, you just didn't get them right? because they weren't there. Uh, it was a really tough deal in the Nationals for a long, long time because everybody's catching flights right after the race. Yeah. And um, it was – those were Sunday races – and they were, you know, they're trying to get Sunday night flights. And so a lot of them would just hightail it out of the, the tracks and, and try to, you know, catch flights. And that went on for a really, really long time, actually. Yeah. So sometimes you just can't get them. Yeah. Yeah. Wardy said that Dogger would basically, because he couldn't drive, who knows why. You can, we can all speculate. But Wardy said that Dogger <laughs> would, ba- in the Cowie days, Dogger would basically just get Wardy's rental car keys and go to the car right after the moto and sit in the air conditioning and wait for Woody yep. to finish his media stuff. So w- yeah. Dogger was not one for post-race quotes. Um, yeah, there were some, some some guys like that that were a little bit like that. Uh, but I, I do remember Ron was pretty cool, though. I mean, because if you did get him, he would talk to you. Yeah. You know, yep. and he, it wouldn't, he wouldn't just, like, completely ignore you. Um, I always remember, like, my very first, I think, my, like, right after I was hired. Am I not even been hired by them yet, by Second News yet? And, like, one of my first races I had to cover, I think it was a, a Trans-Cal race, a CMC race or something like that. And um, they had just, Yamaha had just hired Ron Lachine, and I think it was at a Trans-Cal race. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And so I was really pretty nervous about going up to talking to him. He, would, he was, like, one of my very first interviews and I was just, he was sitting in a box fan sitting there in, you know, the garden chair, you know, which is what they did back then. And he's in his, his JT gear and he just looks so like, oh my God, that guy's, that guy's real. And so I looked, he kind of looked at me and I went, I can't do it. And so I, I walked over and I'll, I'll get him later. And then I um, went over to the Honda van and it was D- Danny Chandler was in there mm-hmm. and, uh and he saw me, he kind of knew who I was. He just, hey, come on up, come on, let's talk. Yeah, you want to talk, let's talk. I was like, oh, cool. So I went in there and, and talked to uh, to Danny for a long time. And he was just so cool. And I walked out of there going, oh, all of a sudden I had my confidence. I went right back to Lachine's truck and went in there and 
started asking him questions and he ended up being really cool too. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, those were like, that was my first two real uh, yeah. interview Ma- steps. Magoo. Magoo was the confidence you needed. <laughs> yeah, he was the first one. He, he was just, just really cool. You know, he just saw me and he, he probably could tell I was nervous. And uh, he's come on up. You know, because back then they had the box fans, and he was just like, "Come on up into the box van," and then we just chattered for a while. Then I, after I left out, I thought, "Oh, that was cool." Okay, <laughs> it's good to know that kid had the exact same like the baby steps you got to take when it's first time to be like, "You better go," and you got to talk to these guys, and you got to get quotes no matter what. Like you had the same fear that everybody else has. Those yeah. Oh, I, I I certainly had that, and uh, but I got over it fairly quickly because I was going to so many races. Because sometimes when I wasn't even at nationals, I was at some other like local big race. And I just, I ended up having to, you know, talk to these guys a lot early on. So I kind of got over it pretty quickly. <laughs> there are still some guys that you kind of always felt intimidated by, but, um, but most of them, everybody was pretty cool. Um, what is the technology? Uh, this could take, you could, you could talk for hours about this, but now we know, Hey, you just email the story or send it over on Slack. It's instant. What is the technology from, like, say, 84? And I, I remember you and Chris John telling me about something, but like a phone. It was like the earliest, earliest internet where the phone could take the file, but it could also eat the file and ruin exactly. it. Um, so just tell me, like, 84, and then whenever you got to that phone thing, how you actually sent the story in without email. Um, it, back in the – oh, shoot. Back then, um, I'm trying to remember exactly how we did it. Uh, obviously I would come back after the race, especially on a Sunday. If it was close to home, I'd go home. If not, I'd go to the office and I would just sit down and I had to type it out on paper, like a regular snap, you know, mm-hmm. typewriter and, you know, five or six pages or whatever it was. And then you would hand it to a typesetter on Monday morning and she'd type it up and then it would go through, uh, go through production. And I believe. Oh, you'd I- go back to the office and write it. Yes. Yeah. So you could be at Broom Tioga in New York. Correct. Fly to California. Yeah. Now it's time to get to work. Basically, yeah. There was a oh, lot God. of that. Um, there was a lot of that, especially after when we became just cycle news, um, mm-hmm. basically just national, and we didn't have the East anymore because um, there was a lot of crazy, crazy stuff. On I think some of the like maybe if it was oh shoot I can't exactly remember how he did it, but um, but I do remember a lot of the times it was like. For me, it would be like if I had to go to like a red butt or something like that, I would have to yeah. catch a flight out that night one Sunday night and fly home. And I would get back, you know, super late in the morning. I'd pretty much go straight to the office or something and just type out a story. And uh, like, they only have like a typewriter thing that could go in my lap, like on the top of my lap. Well, they did eventually. And that was where we kind of got to this machine you were talking about. Um, we were able to, you would type up, you could type up a story almost like a laptop, but, it, and it would save it inside, but you didn't have disk and stuff like that. So you had this machine back at the office where you hooked it up to like your phone and somebody else on the other phone, wherever they were across the country would have to have the exact same machine and everything and have to be on a phone and you would have to get your file up, your story up, and you'd have to get it ready for it. And you'd have to literally count and go, Okay, on three, we will hit yeah, – they had to hit a button, and we had to hit the button at the exact same time. So you have to go, okay, three, two, one, hit. And, Jeez. and sometimes you would go, uh, are, are we supposed to hit on one or is it after one? You're like, what? You know, you had to hit it. And if you didn't do it right, it wouldn't connect. 
and then uh, you have to keep doing it. And it's sometimes if you set the settings like too fast or too too whatever, you know, like like how fast it would go across the phone line or whatever. If it wasn't, if it was too fast or something happened, you would lose the story in transit, and it would be gone because it didn't save inside any of the the laptops. I guess is what you would call it. And um, wow, when it worked, it was awesome. But when it didn't work, it was it was it was terrible because you would lose your story. <laughs> so it was really, you, I mean, everybody was like, okay, make sure we're on the same everything, make sure we're at the right sync rate and everything, and make sure we count on two and three. And <laughs> we did that for a while. And we oh God. thought that was super high tech at the time. <laughs> uh, also, you're a photographer at this, uh, I mean, these nationals, yeah. not only are you covering six motos of 30 plus minutes and getting all these quotes by yourself, but these are your photos and the Hangtown one, I believe. Yes, and uh, it was pretty crazy doing photos back then because obviously it was film and you only had like maybe 24 frames per roll. And so you didn't have anything to spare. I mean, <laughs> every shot had to be the one, you know, and then obviously you, you couldn't just look at your camera and go, yeah, I got it. You know, back then you just kind of <laughs> hope you, all your set, you just hoping that all your settings were correct. And then um, you go in the office and then develop your film and stuff like that and just just kind of have your fingers crossed and make sure you had something and stuff so yeah i had to shoot my own my own stuff and because we didn't really use like too much too much of that time we didn't use separate photographers we just the staff guy went to the race and did the photos and did the words and did everything when you when you're uh doing these races back in the day and this can go from 80s to 90s to whatever um going back to talking to the riders is there a rider that you really got along with well and, and, and really made sure that he gave you some quotes and, 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 and vice versa. Is there an, uh, on the flip side, is there a rider that like you said, he didn't really like you or wasn't good to you or intimidated you or whatever over the years? Is there a couple that's come to mind either way? I think for the most part, I think everybody has been pretty cool about um, the whole process and getting, you know, the, us asking them questions and stuff like that. I never really had a huge problem. Some people were really, really easier than others, mm -hmm. but eventually, um, you would get. I don't. I honestly, there's never really been one rider that I just completely wouldn't talk to. Maybe there were a couple that, eh, okay, I gotta go and talk to them. But everybody right. has been pretty cool. Um, you know, the more. I don't they were, a lot of the top guys are really good. Like I remember, you know, in the early days Rick Johnson was really good at it and when when he was, you know, the guy for a while and he was easy to talk to and most of the top guys were uh when they start getting super famous in the McGrath era and stuff like that. Um those were a little harder to get, but like McGrath was was like fantastic to get. I right. Mean, he would see you in a crowd, he would see us down there and we'd be in the middle of the crowd and he would actually see you and then point at you, go, Hey, come on up. And he would stop the autograph and say, hey, come inside. And he would say, hey, cycle news, just give me three minutes. And yeah. And he would go away. We'd talk real quick. And then he would go about our business and stuff. So some guys were really cool about that. We're a little bit easier. We're somewhere. That's not but, surprising. Like, even when you talk to Jeremy today, right? Like, just he gets it, oh, right? He just, yeah. He, yeah. I mean, when you consider, you know, at how popular he, you know, he was in, in his prime, um, I mean, getting access to him was pretty difficult because they always had like, you know, 20, you know, 50 people surrounding him all the time. But he he made our jobs really, really easy considering how hard they could have been at that time. Yeah. Uh, Carmichael was the same way. Uh, There's quite a few guys that are really, really good. I wouldn't say there was anybody like, ah, no, I just like did, did not like. I mean, intimidated, sure. 
uh, Jeff Stanton was, was intimidating to me, but that's how he was to the racers too. Mm -hmm. And so it came across to us. Um, but, uh, he was always good. I really had no complaints. He was just intimidating a little bit. Did you get caught into the Mike, Mickey Thompson, Mike Goodwin stuff? Like as far as, yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, you did? Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, a little bit. I mean, uh, they bo they're not... both using you to get the message out that the other guy sucks and the other series sucks. Right. Well, you just had to be a news. You just had to be a news guy at that time, and just just go. Hey, here, what's your side? What's your side? And then be equal on both sides, and mm -hmm. make sure like your quotes are exactly what he said, exactly what he said, and then that way you're not going to get in trouble. You're just doing your job at that point. You're just being the news guy and just trying to, you know, you're not trying to create any, yeah, you know, uh, controversy between them. You're just you just had to. When those situations, you do. You just have to be a news guy and just just go. Hey, what's he saying? What's he saying? Put it together and be. Those, those you know, here's the facts. Have have at it. Yeah. Read about it, and you can make your own decisions. Wow, so that's pretty good that you were able to maneuver your way through that. Because, um, yeah, it's funny. Like, there's always controversy, right? But oh yeah, you look and you're like, there's always been controversy, man. <laughs> it's nothing. Oh weird. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You just, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta be newsy. You, you just, I've always been taught how to get that side and get that side. Try to get both sides. If you can't get both sides, uh, it's, I don't know. You just gotta get both sides. Are you? What was your background? Do you have a background in news reporting or even writing itself? Like, how did you develop this skill since you were just racing motorcycles and this kind of came together? How did you gravitate to this? Basically, it was I was just racing motorcycles as everybody else back in the day. You know, I was out of you know junior high school, high school. Just Thursday nights, I was racing Friday nights and weekends and stuff. And then, um, I think I was still in high school, and I started contributing to Cycle News. And um, so I was doing it for a while. And so about the time I got out of high school and just kind of thinking about okay, where am I going to go for college? Um, there's it was around that time that when Cycle News approached me and said, hey, you'd be interested, you know, to work for us. And I'm like, ah, sure, I would love to, but there's no way. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have writing experience and all that kind of stuff. But I had, I had a lot of little experience because I knew how to ride a motorcycle. I was okay at it at the time. I could write a little bit. Uh, I had definite knowledge of the sport and I could shoot photos. So I had all these little things that just kind of worked. And where some people are really good riders, they don't shoot photos or they don't ride motorcycles or they don't have the knowledge of the sport. So I had, a, you know, kind of a lot, a little bit, and a little <laughs> bit, a lot. And so anyway, so um, they hired me and it was just not long high school. I'm like, well, this could be my college, I guess. We'll see how this goes. And then I'm still there. <laughs> what, what do you uh, amazing yeah what do you think of the media today and the coverage that you see today you know you're at anaheim one press conference and we saw it a2 and you're you know you're not full-time anymore covering supercross motocross like you were but you certainly are plugged in enough to know what when you see the vlogs and the video cameras and the podcasters and and all of that like what do you what do you think of the moto media today well, um, I think it's fine. I mean, I think it's good. And, I, and um, it's just there's just a lot of different avenues on how you want to get your, you know, your, your news. And, and I think that's all cool. I mean, I feel like 
<laughs> yeah, I've been doing this a long time, and I just don't want to ever get caught up and be like, well, in our day, we did this, and that's mm-hmm. the only way of doing it. I, I've always, because I kind of heard that when I was coming up, and it's like, no, I'm not going to be that way. And it was easy for me not to be that way, because I do like, you know, uh, progress and technology and stuff and how things evolve, and I always think that's been good a good thing. So, I mean, I like it. There's some things I don't like about it, but um, but nothing too major. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm still a magazine guy. Um, I'm still a photo guy. I like photos. I just think photos kind of latch into your, 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 like you can see a photo of something that you really like and that'll sit there in your head forever. Like I have photos back, you know, in the seventies when I was a kid and I still remember those photos and I'm not sure if that's the same thing with videos or not. And I, which I have no problems with, but yeah. I'm still, a, I'm still a photo guy. I just think photos get etched into your, into your head and that you just can't forget them. And, and so I still like, I still like still photography, uh, still photography a lot. And I do like reading about stuff just as much as I ever have, but I also like videos. I mean, I have, I, I enjoy going, you know, I, I enjoy reading and seeing all the different types. So it's just, it's quite a bit different for sure than what it, you know, what it used to be. Yeah, I, I bet I, I do. Yeah. I do think, you know, how things have changed and then, when Wygan and I are, are yelling about you know the latest thing that Barsha did to somebody, and you're you're sitting back, yeah, yeah, Bowen, Bowen did that to <laughs> Hannah in '84. Yeah. You know, I do, <laughs> I, I do uh, uh, feel like you're just like, yeah, yeah, guys. There's always going to be somebody who's going to ride, ride rough, and no one's going to like them. You know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I just have to laugh. I mean, there are some times where I think things just kind of get blown out of proportion a little bit. Right. And, um, and so now you, we have avenues where things can't get blown out of proportion. It just gets – sometimes it just gets a little bit yeah. out there sometimes yeah. for, for me, you know, and it's just like, okay. And But if it's coming from, uh, you know, a source that's been around, then I kind of will kind of focus on that more than I will other things, but I do like to listen to everybody. Right. I mean, right. some people have new ways of, 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 um, of getting the news out there and, and, and wow, that's kind of cool. You know? So I do like, I, I do like, you know, the new stuff as well, but there's still I, stuff, the older stuff that I like. I think you did. We, I think it was kit. We covered the USGP at Unadilla one, one, one episode here. And you just casually write in the article. I believe it was you. You casually write in the article, and a smoke bomb was thrown onto the track, and Vermont couldn't see and crashed. And we're just like, we're, we're like, we're like, wait, <laughs> like there's there's no there's there's no invest. Yeah, a smoke bomb was thrown on, and Vermont couldn't see, and he went down. I mean, we're just like laughing at your yeah. matter of factness in in the facts. <laughs> that is funny because I because I see that quite a bit actually. Like even some stuff I wrote, I'm like. What really? I don't know more about that. What happened? There? Yeah. <laughs> today that would have been headline news on all, you know like yeah. YouTube channels headlines you know and, and yes controversy for the next two weeks. Uh, yeah. Where, no. Like you said, uh, smoke bomb. Yeah, this was just in the yeah. race. To, this was just in the race description. No other details. Just yeah. a world champion Jackie Vermont ate crap with a smoke bomb was thrown yeah. on the track. <laughs> it's funny you Dilla this year, this August, eight months from now. A guy's battling for like third or fourth, and a smoke bomb just gets thrown on the track and he crashes. <laughs> I'm mad, like you said, the amount of YouTube videos that they're being made over it's unsafe conditions and is this fair and is this wrong and what are we going to do about it? Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> but I think, you know what it speaks to? I mean, you can yourself be like, wow, I'm embarrassed that I didn't follow it up more. But let's be honest, everything was in its infancy. It was early days. Everyone was probably learning in a way. Like I always joke, we're talking about the Nationals here in 1984. 
and it's only like the tenth year for the series, and Supercross is still relatively new. You know, yeah. it seemed old at the time. I'm sure it seemed like it had been around forever. But if you think about it, they've only been running these races for ten years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There, there's a lot to learn uh, in these early days uh, of the sport, in a way. Oh yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. It was yep. fun, but I always look at it like this is motorcycle racing. <laughs> you know, this is motorcycles. It's fun. Yeah. It's just, it's just motorcycles. Uh, yeah, well, well, yeah. When I when I when I've gotten yelled at before for breaking a news that a team is signing a rider, you know, and they're all mad at me, I'm like, hey, I've literally used the line, hey man, this isn't brain surgery here. This isn't like curing cancer. This is exactly just me saying that you're signing this 250 Supercross guy. Like, calm down, yeah. you know. Exactly. <laughs> I've, I've, exactly. Lit- I've literally used that line. This isn't it's curing cancer. We're fine. So, uh, it's, it's fun, but yeah, no, absolutely. Did did um one of the things uh um like in this eighty four race, like Alan yep. King wins the overall, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. And, like he's a privateer. He's Team Tam, and yep. I just again like you're just writing the facts. And Alan King won. You got some quotes from him. It's great. And nowadays, we we would be going on and on about a privateer winning a national, an outright privateer. You know, not a support team guy or you know nothing like. It's just funny. Yeah, that, uh, I, he know. won, which was big, and I didn't know that he won. But he's even the points leader. Like this wasn't even like a fluke. He had been, I guess, pretty good for a while going up against. And and this is works days, right? So it would at least pr- be perceived that he's had an even big event, a bigger disadvantage. Pretty impressive. Yeah, I think he. Uh, I think he was a Suzuki guy before then. Yeah, and I think he. So he had experience, and he was kind of on this. Uh, I guess he was on kind of rebounding in his career a little bit, and then. Um, uh, yeah, so he, I mean, oh, yeah, I was going to say, usually, like, for us back then, if it was somebody new, like, or I guess not new, but, hey, Alan King won, we would try to do, like, an interview with him uh, in a following issue. Oh, yeah. I think, I think. Oh, there we, is. I yeah. think we did with him, and there might have been, you know, usually, you know, like, Rick, when Ricky Ryan won Daytona, you know, and all that kind of stuff, we'd go, hey, we let's get an interview with him, and then let's make that a future story in the next issue or, or soon while it was still fresh on everybody's heads minds but um but we you know we usually try to do something to highlight something like that yeah we uh alan king one of the only riders to actually refuse a podcast with me like just not interested in doing it i tracked him down in michigan and he's like no nah, i'm good i'm good yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm just like okay all right <laughs> sounds good alan king <laughs> so interesting yeah, there's a couple I, I wanted to do a. uh just looking back or archives with, with Goat Brecker, and he was kind of quiet about it. So, no, that's okay. Yeah. Oh, Goat's another guy. Yep. Goat's another. Yep. He's not, nobody cares. And I said, no, Goat, you had a great career. Like, people will be into it. And he's also, he's just like, yeah, no, I'm not into it. Nobody cares. All right, Goat, have that's a great day. That's because <laughs> we do. And, and he's like the nicest guy right. you know, out there and stuff. And he's just like, no, people want to hear about it. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> Clint, uh, or, sorry, uh, Clint Hardick yeah. won the, uh, Clint Hardick led the first moto of the Hangtown National Weege, and we just had a big Clint Hardick discussion just in San Diego. So pretty funny. Uh, I don't think you expected that level from Clint Hardick. I I did not. We were trying to figure out what level of rider he was. Moto winner. No, no, he just led. Sorry, he led. Or led, sorry, yes. I didn't remember. Yeah, it was uh, Lachine. Sorry, you're talking 125s, right? No, 250s. I think he was a 250 guy. Yeah. Yeah. The Bowen had a huge battle. Yeah. He, so Clint, Clint yep. got the Legends and Heroes thing, and we were talking about him. And then funny yep. that we pull up this cycle news, and it's like Clint Hart a cold shot and led four laps. So, uh, yeah, f- weird. Uh, Kip was, Palmer, that when he was, oh, was, was he on a Suzuki then? Uh, no, Honda. Honda. Yep. Um, 
Clint, uh, Kit Palmer. Sorry, I got Clint on. Kit, Kit Palmer on the Lee yeah. Raceables here, uh, 84 Hangtown. Anything else for Kit, Weege? Yeah, one other thing. Um, now that even feels ancient to me. Uh, like I broke in writing cycle news specifically for GNCC and then eventually the Nationals. Uh, and it was you and uh, our buddy Chris Johnham at the time running it. Chris, who's yes. now PR for Honda. Um, yeah. And uh, when I was first asking you, I mean, the painstaking work we put into these stories, by the way, you and even Davey gave a lot of advice on how to write these things. I mean, I just remember sweating every word because it was so important back then. One thing you told me that's interesting, um, you always said that being buddies with the riders and being invited out to dinner and going to the parties with the riders and being their best friend never interests you. And it was better for work purposes anyway to just I get the quote, I leave. And I'm never in this position of I'm their buddy and I'm the reporter. We're, we're cool with each other. But that was you told me that philosophy, probably don't remember this, right off the bat, that that was always the way you looked at it. Do not get too close. This is not about being a fan or being a star boy or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I've always – I guess a lot of my, my training was uh, done on hand, you know, and from my original editors – and stuff that taught me some stuff like that. And, and I, I've always kind of felt it was good just to be kind of neutral. And, and it's not like you don't want to be friends with them, but you just don't push the issue, I guess. And yeah. I always felt like, I always felt like I, I just don't want to, I, I don't want to be a burden to the guys at all. I want to be just like, talk to them and just like, I want them to go, Oh, there's, you know, there's cat. He's not going to want to talk to me for a half an hour. He's just going to be, you know, like two minutes. That oh. way, it's a little bit easier to get get to them sometimes because they know they're. Oh man, I don't want to talk. He's going to want to talk to me for like an hour. No, I just want to get in there, get a couple quotes. I want to. Hey, what happened there? What happened there? Okay, thanks so much. You know, we'll see you next week. And so I just want to know, like, hey, I'm not going to be there. I don't want to sit there and have a chat with you. I just just want to get a couple quotes. And I think a lot of them kind of understood that, and so they were like, yeah, no problem, come on in, because they know it's going to be quick. And in um, you know, like I say, you don't want to not be friends with them, but you just, hey, it's just kind of easier if, uh, you know, on on when you write your own stories, you know, if something, you know, happens to somebody and you're not super close because you want to don't want to give them any favors or anything like that. You need to be really neutral. So it's kind of a little bit easier if you just kind of maintain your distance, but, you know, have a good relationship, good kind of a professional relationship and uh, just kind of keep going. I don't know. It just seemed to make things a little bit easier. Wow, I've uh, I've broken this rule, Kit. I, I, I've not I have not stayed true to that rule, um, but uh, it's I like it. I like that philosophy. Yeah, really, really makes sense. But yeah, I just want to be clear. It's not like I don't want to be friends yeah. with them. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, and if, if it, I mean, there are some you become a little bit more friends than others, and that's fine. But um, but like going to their homes and having dinner all the time and stuff like that, I never really kind of really kind of. Uh, pers- uh, pursued any of that kind of stuff. I just felt like, ah, just hey, we're cordial. We see each other weekends. We're friends. We see each other at media events. We're friends. We get along, and that's kind of it. And um, I've always felt like that was a good way of doing it. Uh, interesting. I, I, I've told you this before, Kit, and I think I've said this on this show. Cycle News obviously grew up with it, love it. Uh, even up in Canada, we'd still love it. Uh, we just wouldn't get them on time all the, all, always. Um, <laughs> I, I remember I paid for a subscription. I would get four at one time, and then it'd be, oh. then it'd be four weeks later, I'd get four more. But anyways, 
uh, as I got as I progressed in the media, uh, you had asked me to write the back page a couple of times. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I mean that's Henny Ray Adams, and that's that's you. That's I mean I would read the back page of these guys' opinions, and it was amazing. And I I I don't keep a lot from the things I've done over the years. I've kept the cycle news that I wrote the back page for because I, <laughs> I I just was like so. Uh, proud that I I I was did I did that like uh, the page that I used to read every week and and get the opinions of these people and now this was me you know spewing my opinion out I just I just I'm still stoked that I got to write the back page of Cycle News. Well, that's cool. You know, I, thanks. You know, and um, I don't know. We feel like it's it's I don't know. It's kind of a little bit of an institution. It's been around forever, and I'm glad people are are still reading it, still interested in it. You know, because it's pretty easy to, to go, oh, that's old school or something like that. But you know what? It's also kind of nice to have something that is old school that's always around that you always know is there. And, uh, you, you know, you can feel like it's honest news and everything. We You know, we do our best with it. And uh, I think people appreciate that. And uh, and we've had a lot of good a lot of good people write stuff like such as yourself and, and Jason and. And uh, we've had a lot of really Davey, good, Davey, good Dawn, Davey. Oh yeah, Dawn, my Eddie. Yeah, yeah it's yep. just oh, the list goes on. Around. Yeah, there's yeah. been so many people that have come through the Cycle News doors, and um, they've all been really, really good people. There, there's a. I, I looked at one a little while ago. Dawn and Davey teamed up to write about a race. I, I just was like, <laughs> I, 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 I screenshot the thing and sent it to both of them, and was like. Just mind blown. Davy Coombs and Don Maeda. They, they wrote some. Uh, they, I was couldn't believe it. But yeah, absolutely. You look at you look at the um, the the byline there, and you're like, wow. So pretty much anybody and everybody, like you said. So had, had, they've had their byline in there one time or another. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Weej, were you doing GNCCs? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I started GNCCs in '01, and then I think by '03, I did most of the nationals. It's actually me and uh, Steve Cox. He would do one class, and I would do the other. Um, and I just remember, like, again, the it, it's funny, but you still remember what a big deal it was. Like, the first time, I don't know what race it was in 03, where it was like, would you want to do the, you know, 125 National Story? I just like, oh, my God, I cannot believe that I'm going to write the Cycle News story for a National, right? Because, like, all of us, <laughs> you know, I'm eight years old reading these stories. Like, that was it, you know, reading the story of the National and Cycle News. You know, pretty much like we're talking about the races right now, 1984-ish. So... There's just a unbelievable that I'm doing it, and it teaches you so much because to do same thing whether it was 2003 or 1984, you know, you got to get to eight or 12 guys quickly, you got to get the quotes quick, well, and all that. Yep. You went, you went, you kind of went through the the tail end of I would say like the almost the older era. It's of true. Reporting, yeah, yeah, because because you know there were a few of us, and I definitely remember you know you being one of the the few guys waiting for those quotes, sitting outside of uh, James Stewart's motorhome. At, <laughs> I don't want to name names at one o'clock in the morning, and you know, but he was cool about it too. He was just he just you know he wanted to be ready when he, he was ready for us, and that was fine. But we, I, we sat out there and waited, and you had to get your quotes, and I had to mm -hmm. get mine, and and so you know you've been through it too. Yeah, it is definitely – Davey used to talk all the time about what a great training ground it was for all of us, and it's unfortunate that – I mean, you guys are still around, but I wish that every other new employee I had come to the door had you know, spent a couple of years writing for you guys because it's just invaluable. But now there's just so many outlets. you know, There's so many other ways for them to get their name out there, but it was really like back then. If you didn't do some writing for Cycle News, you weren't going anywhere. Yeah, it, it's definitely different. We go through it a little bit now. It's it's a little bit tough to find find people that can write 
you know, with like full stories. Now it's, um, it's, I guess it's always been a little bit hard always because writing's yeah. not, not the easiest thing in the world. It's never been easy for me. It's like, I've always had to, you know, it's never come supernatural for me, but, um, but it's, it's, it, you know, it's not easy. And, um, uh, and nowadays a lot of things are really, you know, like snippets of things. People write very short things. So, they're not writing long stories and you were always good at it. You were a natural at it. You always wrote really good stories. No, thanks. Yeah. It's, it's great training. There's no doubt. Um, the efficiency, like you talked about, you gotta be quick. You, you really you have no time to, like you said, you can talk to the guys for an hour. You gotta, you had one hour, you gotta talk to 10 guys. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yep. You know, so you get, you know, you got to know the, what you want to go in. Like, what do I, what do I want to know from what happened in this race? And, I like to know exactly what happened in the race. Like when those two guys came close or what happened there or when he almost crashed. Yeah. And so I'll have that in my head. I'll go in there, ask those two questions. And then I'll even ask hey, anything you want to say, whatever. Okay. Nope. Okay. See you. I'm out of here. Bye. And then yep. the next one. And <laughs> I always did. I wanted to make sure it was just, they knew it was going to be quick because, you know, you know, just, oh man, I don't want to talk well, to that guy for four hours. He's going to not go away. Uh, also, Kit, you're 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 free you're free handing their quotes. Like, I mean, at some point yeah, you got to record, but at some point you're right. And I've done that. Uh, it's not easy to do to do shorthand or freehand and and capture the quote. Right? You want to be accurate and all well, that. So, to me, the quotes are like you know they say a lot and they're, they're, it's all good, but you have to go in there and just pick out hey, what's important yeah. that relates to what I'm talking about in this story, and so. A lot of times I'll just pick out like the couple sentences that, okay, that's important. Uh, that's important. So I'm not doing the whole thing. And then there were a lot of times where, yeah, I, I used a tape recorder and stuff, but to, to transcribe a tape recorder, as you guys know, it just takes forever and you just don't have time. So you have to just kind of pick out the important things that they say and what you think the reader might think is interesting and go with that. Um, you know, okay. You could sit there. You could sit there and do the whole quote, like you know, even if just even if it's just five minutes. But five minutes of transcribing is a long time. And uh, so I kind of got pretty good at doing it with uh, handwriting. All right, I lied. I got one more question. So all of these travel, all these travel, all these races. Did you ever get sick and not make a race, or 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 have to leave a race in the middle of the day because you're literally going to die, or like, did you ever not get the story? Did you nope. ever? Okay. All right. Wow. <laughs> We're talking forty years. Kid. Right. Forty. Yeah. No, I um, never missed really a deadline, and uh, uh, always came back with a story because that was yeah that's what I was trained to do. And says if I'm going to go to this race, I'm coming back with a story. I'm coming back with the quotes. And you never got food poisoning. You never got the flu. You no. no. Wow. The closest ever was or at least maybe the hardest was one of the usgps i think it was um it was towards the last few um of the usgp at carlsbad uh -huh. where it was a hot day and i started kind of not feeling so good by the time i got home i was definitely sick i had something like a flu or something like that that story was really hard to write and yeah. um probably wasn't one of my better ones and, uh, <laughs> But that's the only one that I can really yeah. remember as far as, um, you know, being sick or, or having something um, maybe yeah. making it really difficult. I think there's been a lot of glitches for all the time, you know, little things here and there, missing flights. Or Actually, I've only missed one flight ever. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I, I missed one flight ever. 
in um, I was Houston when they had the Houston Supercross one night and the Houston Short Track the next. And then that was a Sunday, and then the short track, of course, went long because they always do. Mm-hmm. And I had I knew I was going to miss that flight, so um, I would that one and whatever I knew I was going to miss that. But I never ever missed a flight, and uh, I came close a couple times, but never missed one. Jeez. Unbelievable! Yeah, that is unbelievable. <laughs> wow! And, and and you're flying in the days of smoking on the planes and showing up at the gate t- ten minutes before the flight, and oh, and rental yeah. cars with the the the, the the liability papers that you had to sign that was a stack high and (laughs) renting a car was just a pain. And then, you know, all that kind of stuff was, that was pretty difficult. That made traveling really, really hard. Some things have gotten obviously a lot easier, but some things have in a way got harder. Well, the motocross Um, race was in town. So the rental car companies are like everybody signing their lives away because we (laughs) we get our cars back missing wheels and and breaking frames. So, yeah. Yeah, Um, that was, that was definitely a thing back then. I'm, I'm not sure about now, but I know it was back then. Oh, for sure. Uh, this has been awesome. We we got to get you back on. Uh, yeah, anytime. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's been great uh, to hear these stories. And 84 Hangtown, also uh, an, a memorable race for, for many reasons, from the battles to the privateer guy winning to Bob Hanna and Keith Bowen to uh, another thing it says in here is Barnett's running his last year's works bikes. Again, never happened today. Like Tomac's not wheeling out his 2022 bike. You yeah. Know? Uh, um, so all that kind of stuff it, is great. I just thought that was a, that, those two races really stood out. Kind of definitely stood out for me, and especially the Hangtown and then the the Glover Bailey incident was kind of etched in my mind too. And you know, it was kind of cool to get those photos and and uh, it was a good year. You know, it was just an interesting year. Just all those guys and then Bailey on that works bike and yeah. Bailey said that he didn't have much of an advantage over that Yamaha. He said that Yamaha was pretty good, but I don't know if he ever rode that Yamaha. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've always said Glover's 85 title the next year, beating Bailey on an even tricker bike is is one of the more amazing accomplishments in the sport. You know, I mean, that that 85 bike, the last of the works bikes, was next level, and Glover beat him. So Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I mean, you got to hand it to him for that. I mean, yeah, that... I just remember Glover just having to ride that bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I actually yeah. felt sorry for him. And, and then, and then, kid had to remember Damon Bradshaw riding that bike in '92. So in '93, uh, did he ride, <laughs> didn't he ride like a, 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 a WR version? Yeah, of bike? yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, <laughs> he did. Still going. Yeah, he, he was flying on that thing. He won a moto at Binghamton on it, and uh, he also told the Yamaha guys. If you take the shock off and put a strut on it, at least I know what the bike will do. Because now the shock <laughs> heats up so bad, it's a pogo stick by the end of 30 minutes. So, um, oh, that's funny. I love watching Bradshaw. He was like one of my f- favorite guys to watch. Yeah. Just really. There's actually been many, but he, he was really, really fun to watch, especially when he was riding those 500s. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, thanks, Kit. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for uh, thinking about me. And um, if anything, anytime you want to chat about something, just let me know. Awesome. Thanks, Kit. Thanks, Kit. You are, you are welcome. Thank you. Good stuff from Kit. Uh, always the nice guy, man. And again, like, like he could be a bit of a dick. Weed. He's seen and done it all. You know, at one time he was the voice of the sport. Maybe him and Jody together uh, were the voice of the sport, capturing the images and the quotes of the sport. And Kit Palmer has always been the nicest dude ever from day one. Yeah, and you can even tell with his demeanor on this that 
age-old wisdom that he gave me right off the start, which is, you know, your goal is not to get invited to dinner by the riders because at some point you're going to have to write something about them unbiased. And you can tell here, like, Kid is not a name dropper. I mean, he's interviewed every one of these guys. He's been on a first-name basis with every top racer for the last 40 years. And do you ever hear Kit name drop? Like, yeah, I was at a party here. Me and Johnny, I was at his wedding. You know what I mean? Like, nothing. He gets his quotes, and he leaves it there. And honestly, the rest of us are all guilty, like you said. It's hard to resist Mm -hmm. wanting to... uh, in almost like dating terms, like you want to go to first base, second base. Yeah, how close can I get with these guys? <laughs> and he's resisted that for 40 years. Like as a journalist, yeah. I am not their friend. I get their quote, I leave. Yeah, I mean, when I started being in the media, I mean, Tim Ferry was still racing. And it, it was, you know, I mean, it was, I couldn't talk badly about Tim Ferry. <laughs> oh, Brayton is retired now. I'm good. I'm yeah, good. yeah, you're fine yes. now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, but so- it's, it's amazing, guys. You never hear a kid name drop Do you- about how important he was. Really wish I would have asked Kit how he feels about hugging a rider right after a main event win. Oh, great moment. Great moment. <laughs> you think Kit yep. you think Kit Palmer thinks that's a great moment? Yeah, I violated the rules a little bit. Violated him a little bit. <laughs> uh, just a bit. Just a bit. The live uh, announcer hugging the winner of the race. Now come on. I mean everybody's rooting for Brayton. Who who wasn't happy for him? Tomac? Yeah. Eli's had plenty. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Okay. He hugged him too. He has actually three of us all hugged him together. Okay. Very happy. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, thank you to the folks at Decal Works, decalmx.com. Use the promo code PulpMX23 to get uh, 20% off your custom graphics. And number one for many reasons, Decal Works' mission is to cater to those who love to ride, upholding the true definition of quality, service, and knowledge. From beginners to seasoned vets, race teams, project builds, and magazine tests, decalmx.com. Go there. Get 20% off your graphics. Use the code Promo code PulpMX23. Ron and the boys there uh, doing great things. So thank you to those guys. Scott Goggles, Maxis uh, Tires, uh, all on board with us as well. Liet Reraceables, Guts Racing. PulpMX23 is the code to save with Guts. Uh, great seats, foams, vintage bikes, modern bikes, uh, street bikes. Uh, that You can custom make your own cover if you want. You can get the Phantom Lightweight Seat Foam. When it comes to seats and motorcycles, it's GutsRacing.com, people. Please check them out. Use the code PulpMX23 to save uh, with those guys. And, again, Leet.com. Uh, thanks to those guys for coming on board. Uh, time for the Reraceables categories, Weech? Let's do it. All right. Leet.com. Email us if you want to save with Leet. All right. We've got three races to talk about instead of the uh, instead of the usual one in a Supercross format or even two in the Nationals. Who really won the race? Who really won the race? Uh, I will go because, again, I just don't think it got enough press. Alan King on a production bike beat. It was the deepest class, the 250s, and the most works bikes. And Alan King led the points, and he won this race. Yeah, I don't know why this isn't talked about more. I do not understand. Um, so congrats. I, I have to agree. I mean, yes, we're picking from you know six different uh, two moto- two races with three classes each. Uh, but I can't argue it. I mean, Bailey and Glover are legends, and O'Mara and Ward in the other class is amazing, but there's Alan King popping up in there, and this is a stacked class. It's crazy that he did this. So absolutely, congrats. That's my guy. Yeah, I agree. All right, who's that guy, Ward? Do you have somebody? Uh, Yes, I do. Okay. Oh, it's going to be great. So I did not know in the 125 class, taking 15th overall at Saddleback, is Vince McMahon. Oh, yes. Vince McMahon. 
Congratulations. That's not 125 class. He got 12th. You said 15th. Sorry. He got 12th. Yeah. Either way. Oh, no. He got 12th at one and 15th. Oh, back-to-back point-scoring top 20s. Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon. Good I job, for Vince. Vince McMahon. What's that? Good job, Vince. Who knew? I did not know that. Uh, I mean, look, this is WrestleMania in its heyday. 1984, Vince McMahon taking over the Worldwide Wrestling Federation from his dad in 83, and then all building to 1985's WrestleMania. I and mean, in between all that, Vincent K. McMahon coming out of Gren- Gren- Greenwich, Connecticut, scoring top 20 in the 125 Nationals, running up front, even Wait, in one of the most. He's really from Connecticut? I don't know. It's Vince McMahon. Oh, okay. I thought you the were. Vince McMahon I know is. Okay, yeah, okay, got it. All right. Okay. So congratulations, Vince, who really in the steroid era here was known for, I think he said he had 20-inch guns. So that doesn't seem to be the type of build for a motocrosser. Yeah, maybe but, put uh, that weight on later. Yeah. Yeah, Vinnie Mac. Uh, congrats. I had no idea. All right. I will go. I don't have anybody quite as prestigious as Vince McMahon, but uh, there's a guy – now, the 500 was the weakest depth of the class, so there, there are some finishes throughout the 500 class history from like 82 to 86 that are a little suspect, but they are the results, and they, they, you can only race who's on the gate. But mm-hmm. there's a gentleman named Roger Brown who got 11th in the 500s at Hangtown, 6th in Moto2. I mean, 6th is legit. I mean, 6th is, yeah. is right behind Magoo and uh, right ahead of Scott Manning who's a, a SoCal privateer dude. So, I don't know. Roger Brown is my who's that guy. Never heard of him, and he got sixth in the second moto. I have not. It's up to you intrepid readers to, as always, tell us yeah. what we're missing. Seth Rarick, you think? No, I don't think Seth's got this one. Roger Brown. Right. Yep, Roger wow, Brown. sixth in a moto. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like the 13th in moto one. Okay, that's good. Strong deal, but sixth is, is, is really good. And and remember, Hangtown too. As you said, California is the place to be. You know this this field is as deep as it's going to get with SoCal and NorCal people. So, yeah. Um, um, all right, uh, Lit Kid Award. I mean, you just you can't you can't beat Bailey's get up. You can't. It's not possible. You know, I don't want to pick JT. You know, I'm not a big JT guy. I did say when we had uh, Glover in '88 with the pink gear, it actually did look really good. Uh, I don't want to do this. So can I just to prevent picking JT racing? Because there is no doubt. There is no doubt that Bailey's gear. You can't really tell that his plate is blue, but it is blue mm-hmm. in these photos, I think. Right. Yeah. You can't really tell. Matches the Honda blue seat. Um, so just so I don't pick that team, Tam was not only winning with King, but they also had that distinctive team Tam look on the shoulders. Oh, they had their whole gear uh, line, that whole gear line you could buy. Oh, okay. It was literally Team Tam gear? Team Tam gear. Yes. It did not look good, I believe, by any stretch of the imagination. But the fact that they were a satellite team with their own gear and their own unique gear look. And the guy won. I'm going to bend the rules. And my lit kit is a set of gear that doesn't even look good. I just want to give them credit for being such innovators. Well, you think about this. This is this is uh, five, six years before Mitch Payton starts with, with, with team gear. It's six years before it, but it feels like 16, I think, in like the evolution of the yeah, sport. Like yep. it, when Mitch did it and it was like, you know, there was a Team Tam, that felt like it was like 20 years earlier. Yeah. I believe yeah. Team, also Team Tam's legacy is never paying anybody, also. Um, oh. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of guys have problems getting money from George Tam, who owned the team and was an auto parts guy. 
You know, it kind of uh, set the stage for many satellite teams yeah. in more ways than one then. Yeah. We do. Yeah, absolutely. It really became the trend. Yep. Uh, <laughs> shit Kid Award. I'm going to go, I mean, look, he won the title this year, but Johnson's yellow Cinecello stuff with Cinecello printed sideways on the jersey uh, was never at any point a good look. No, and that is RJ, who you would think of as a style king, always. Yeah. I mean, we've given him many, many props, including the shorts, over the, the, the $80 shorts that you bought over the pants. Yep. Did you see the photo but, of me in those shorts? Yes. Yes. Yes, you actually produced that. Yep. Uh, no, this look was not was not working at all. Um, or if you want to just continue to shit on Cinesalo, I mean, Wardy's gear is just white with logos on it. But like I it, feel like there's Wardy's... There's not even an attempt at style. No, but I feel like Wardy's at least looked better being white and not puke yellow. Yeah, it didn't look as bad, but it might be the all-time low for imagination on gear. It literally is just white with logos. Like, I'm talking <laughs> like his sponsor logos. Yeah. It's yeah. a white jersey with his sponsor logos on it. I don't believe there's any attempt at style at all. No, no, I, I would agree so. No. Uh, all right, let kid, uh, that's shit kid award. Where's JT? Lee at Reraceables category. Well, he's, uh, yeah, he's, I don't know, four? Four years old? <laughs> uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's four. Yeah. He's in Gainesville. Frank and Cindy are there. He's just getting into school and probably starting to argue with the kids. Oh, really? It's yeah. him that argues? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, the Jacob Marsak Award for the rider who did the best that uh, maybe we'll never talk about. I mean, Rollerball got a fifth, but Rollerball podiumed in uh, U.S. Nationals, so maybe that's, you know, not a big deal to get a fifth. I remember being as a kid, that was pretty cool. Um, um, Donnie Cantalupe got third in the 500s in a moto. What the hell? Yeah. Like, how long after, wasn't Cantalupe a 70s guy? No, like, he was. Beavo's rider no, in the 70s? 84, he raced the Calgary Supercross. I went there. To, Hannah raced it, too, with Cantaloupe. So he was legit in 84. Oh, still going in 84? Yeah, still going okay. in 84. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, probably go uh, – I'll probably go Danny, Donnie Cantaloupe for third. Uh, Phil Lar- But then Phil Larson got fourth. So, like, I mean, Phil's a good rider, Pacific Northwest legend, but I don't know if it's that big of a breakout ride. Uh, I want to give a shout out. I'm also looking at the saddle back here, also because Kit was covering both races. And uh, uh, Jim Anderson, that is that the same Jim Anderson that it became the no. WP? No, it's not the same Jim Different Anderson. Jim Anderson, yeah, yeah. We had a little uh, thing about that because Jim, the other Jim Anderson, retired at the end of last year, and then Davey was finding all these photos. He's like, dude, look at the style Jim Anderson had back in the day. And I'm like, wait, what? But that is not the same Jim Anderson. Well, there's a Mike Anderson on a Yamaha. Jim Anderson on Hondas. Okay. Jim Anderson and Yamaha got 10th at uh, uh, Saddleback. I don't believe that's the same Jim Anderson. So there's two Jim Andersons and yeah. then a Mike Anderson. Yeah, there's a Mike Anderson too. Uh, shout out to Ron Turner and a Kajiva in 84, which were no good. Leading? No, no, he got he got 18th. But no, but he led. Ron Turner? Yeah. He, he whole shot, or sorry, O'Mara got the whole shot, went off the track, and Turner led at Saddleback. Oh, wow. Kajiva. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he should get the it was, uh, Jacob early Marsak on. Award. It was Kajiva mounted Ron Turner leading the way, and I'm like, wait, what? Maybe he should get yeah. the uh, Jacob Marsak Award. Radical Ron Turner did say that the Southern California fans were loving it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Ron, he's a local, but aren't they all locals? At this point, at yeah. this point, he's well beyond his uh, his yeah. prime. Ron, Radical Ron. So now that I cannot pick Jim Anderson because it's not that Jim Anderson, uh, I'm going to go with 
at uh, Saddleback, 19th in the 500 class, is Don Turk, who would go on to be a great ATV racer, uh, multi-time champion, I believe, in the Mickey Thompson series, mm. and a longtime thorn in the side of uh, Gary Denton, who was my favorite. So I never really liked Turk, but I got to give him credit uh, for scoring points here in 19th, 15th in a moto, Saddleback 500 National. Should we get Denton on here? Yeah, I mean, you did a pod with him once, but yeah, we could maybe talk about some races. We yeah. could talk about him uh, racing the quad at, uh, was that Anaheim 86? They have the quad race at halftime? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then we could talk about him racing the Winnipeg Arena Cross and me taking him riding, and he knew nothing about it, and I was crushed. Oh, wow. Yeah. These guys have done so much in their lives. They have. Uh, all right. Doesn't so, stick out. No, doesn't stick out going yeah. to Winnipeg and some kid taking him riding and, and all this. Uh, my mom actually drove because my dad was working. So it was my mom driving us to the track to ride with Gary Denton. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I yep. mean, you know, uh, this goes all the way back to, I remember listening to some radio show with Mickey Mantle, the great Yankees hitter, and these fans would call in and tell him all these amazing stories of catches that he made and games, and he remembered none of it. And it just shows you that to them, this is just a thing they're doing, right? But to some kid out there, it's like, Everything is legendary, legendary, legendary. And to them, it's just another day at the office. Yep, yep, absolutely, right? Yep. Uh, um, yep. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I just had somebody tell me about something I did on a show, and I'm like, what? I don't remember that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I mean, not that I'm comparing myself to these guys, but I think when you're in the moment of doing these things, you don't always, yeah. you know, remember them. So, Yep. What's awesome is uh, when you look at these results, especially this era, I mean, these results, it is just filled with so many, oh, yeah, look at how interesting is that? How interesting is that? How interesting is that? <coughs> um, I mean, you name it. Our, our buddy Andy Jefferson, you know, is at uh, Husqvarna and KTM these days. This is his, you know, this is, I'd say, his prime probably, right? Yeah. Um, ish. Yeah, he got ninth at the Saddleback. Um, I mean, almost every single guy is a guy that we know uh, – from something. Alan Berluti, is that a... That's uh, Tony's buddy, brother. Yeah, it, 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 that's what I'm saying. Like, it just it just never ends with guys in this era. We could give um, a Jacob Marsack awards to, like, 12 guys yeah. in this uh, era. Yeah. Jim Hawley goes eighth overall at Hangtown, 9-10. Jim Hawley. Yeah, I saw that. Not not, not what I expected. Uh, maybe he was busy. Maybe he, was, maybe he didn't get much sleep the night before. <laughs> Somebody's box fan? You never know. Oh, yeah. man, good times. Uh, anything else? Hangtown, 84. Kit Palmer. Uh, saddlebacks, hold on a second. Okay. Third overall, 4-3, is Gary Bauman. Bowman. Gary Bowman. Yeah. This is a podium guy? I didn't think so. He got 11-4 at the Hangtown the, the week after. I'm going. I'm taking it back. That's my Jacob Marsak. Gary Bowman. Wow. Yeah, that's Sorry, that's Don good. Turk. Gary Bowman, you got a podium. Did they even do podiums back then? Did they do podiums? Uh, you got me. But but Gary Bowman yeah. is uh, is a SoCal kid. Yeah, SoCal guy for years. Suzuki. He wrote Suzuki's forever. Uh, I got to hold, hold on. Stay on the line here. Let, let, that's got to be a career high, right? I would say so for Gary, yeah. Gary was a top 10, 125 guy for a long time. The dude barely has any results in the vault at all. See, uh, see, he had a fifth that year and a sixth that year. But what? Third. Guys like Gary, speaking of Gary, Gary Denton, they yep. didn't even ride nationals. They made more money during the week. Oh, you so know what I mean? Back to the California thing we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, Mike Byer. just race local. Dubok. They just raced local <clears throat> and crushed it, and they didn't really care about going on to the nationals. There was so much uh -huh. money to be made. Yeah. 
Okay, so this is perfect. This is like Playground Legend. Like, I'm sure someone is going to DM us or send us something on Twitter and be like, dude, you have no idea how fast Gary Bowman is if you saw the CMC, TransCal, Golden States, and all that. Yeah, and, and, oh, and, and Bro Show, too. Yeah, Andy Jefferson. He didn't have any money, couldn't follow the Nationals. Race in SoCal forever. Super fast. Wow, yeah. interesting. Yeah. I mean, this guy got third overall at a national. Third yeah. overall. That's impressive. That is pretty impressive. I would not have said yep. Gary Bowman would have got third overall if you'd asked me. Yep. So, uh, okay, so right. that's my take of Marsak. Sorry, Don Turk. I'm, I'm rescinding it. Yeah, well, he was your bitter rival anyways to, to Gary, to Denton. So. Yeah. Raced the Yamaha Banshee with a YZ250 motor in it because that was uh, really? required. Yeah, because for whatever reason, the Mickey Thompson races, Just you had to 250s. run a 250. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yep. Uh, and then he'd say, we're developing a new bike for Yamaha. And everybody's like, oh, when's it coming out? And it just <laughs> never did. Like, right, right. No. 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 Uh, good times. <laughs> Thanks to Kit, just the, the, the dean of moto journalism. Really cool to uh, to have him on. And uh, and you guys for listening. Really appreciate that. We each, uh, thank you, buddy. There is uh, Saddleback 1984. You can see about seven minutes on YouTube. And it is un fathomably dusty yes i've seen it yes and in the report it said they were expecting rain and didn't get it (laughs) yes i mean again i told the story that chad just went home one day from a test because the glen home was too rough yeah is he he going home from southwick or saddleback in 84 because it's too dusty oh i mean he's not even going he's probably standing in the back of the pickup truck looking at it and saying i'm out yeah exactly so yeah All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Kit. Thanks to Weege. Thanks to Liat and all the sponsors. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Weege. Yep. See you, man.